Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself continue our discussion on the gospel, describing what the gospel is not. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast, and as usual, this is Pastor Brett Poe, and I have with me today... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. All right, guys, we are on Gospel Part 2, or, or like Gospel Part whatever episode this is. This is episode <laughs> 53. Yeah, we, we talk about the gospel a lot. Uh, there's no better topic, nothing That's sweeter. Right. Yep. Sweet as honey. So we talked about uh, the definition of the gospel, and you gave a wonderful, succinct definition. So mm-hmm. what are we going to talk about today? Mm-hmm. We're going to continue the discussion of what the gospel isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case today, we're going to be talking about cheap grace. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking... Bonhoeffer. Yeah. <laughs> what what we mean by cheap grace isn't the idea of grace as in its raw form, which is what the Roman Catholic Church accuses all Protestants, and especially Lutherans, of grace that you don't earn is cheap grace. That's not what we mean by cheap mm-hmm. grace. What we mean is this attitude, and this is happening especially in, in modern day, the, the problem of gospel reductionism, uh, and we see this in the uh, radical Lutheranism sort of thing, where the gospel uh, becomes a matter of, ah, shucks, your sin doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And we do not confess, we do not proclaim an ah, shucks gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to avoid that and because it leads to this attitude of flaunting sin mm-hmm. to demonstrate how much you are forgiven, uh, which is a violation of Romans, Romans 6. six. Yep. Well, uh, shall we sin so that grace may increase? It, exactly. It, it, it does that. Or, uh, I mean, it, it's a denial of the law. It's antinomianism, whatever the case might be. Uh, it's this Ashok gospel is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's also a corruption of Romans ten four. For Christ is the end of the law, for the righteousness to everyone who believes. And I read actually a radical Lutheran book on this topic, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how they camp on this and basically really I would say perpetuate that message of antinomianism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 attitude in uh, that is that. Th- Christ is the elimination of the law, mm-hmm. which is not what Romans ten four. Christ is the end of the law's accusations. Exactly. The, the end of the law's condemnation, which would be Romans eight one. Uh, the law is still necessary and beautiful. Absolutely. And and of course in Romans, uh, Romans seven, uh, Paul says the law is holy and righteous and good. Amen. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus yeah. in the Sermon on the Mount, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, mm-hmm. but to fulfill them. Yeah, yeah. And so, this idea of cheap grace. Um, is there anything bad about that phraseology that you think or or I would say unhelpful. Any, any caution? Yeah. I it's, mean it's not something we not a phrase we would use and say, Yep, this is holy good. Yeah, it's so the problem I have with cheap grace is that people often accuse the real gospel of cheap grace. Mm-hmm. Of of I think in in the in the Western uh, pietistic or moralistic church, and I'm not picking on specific groups here. I mean, we're AFLC pastors. Yeah, right. Our heritage is in Norwegian pietism for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I mean by that is uh, we won't preach the gospel sometimes unless we've seen the change. Mm-hmm. You know, so you mm-hmm. go and mm-hmm. reform yourself, and then you get the gospel when you've 
elevated yourself to the level where we can preach it. And if you, if you, you know, the, the, the stereotype, if you preach the gospel to a tattooed, overly pierced guy who has a purple mohawk and is wearing leather and chains everywhere, that's cheap grace, right? Because he hasn't demonstrated the change mm, in his life. Mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of different ideas as to what the term cheap grace means. I think it'd be helpful if you define that. Define for me uh, how we are defining cheap grace. So cheap grace in its most appropriate sense is grace that is given where it is not wanted. Uh, and, And so again, it's this idea that the gospel forgives unrepentant sin which mm. it just can't happen. Now, the distortions of cheap grace is grace that is not earned. Mm-hmm. And that's a Roman Catholic idea, no matter who is, whether it's a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Lutheran or a Roman Catholic, that's where cheap grace gets corrupted. So I don't like using the term cheap grace because of that. But again, this idea of the Ashuk's gospel is a message not of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of the sins, it's a message of your sins don't matter. Mm. You know, and so it's, you kind of get into this attitude, well, I'm good at sinning. Sure. God is good at forgiving. It's a wonderful relationship. That's not the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wonder, is, is that what John, in first epistle of John, first John chapter three, where um, John begins to say, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Is that what you're talking about? That lawless almost premeditated um, desire to sin, that you have no intention on ceasing that sin. There's really a lack of remorse at that point, and there's just, you almost revel in it, you know? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, so the passage that goes hand in hand with that John, 1 John 3 passage is Romans 1, mm-hmm. uh, where you have this idea that God gave them up. Mm-hmm. And the consequence of unrepentant sin is more sin. And, and we've talked about that in, in the section on the Ten Commandments, where if uh, a person doesn't repent because they're not broken of the sin, God's going to punish them by giving them more sin, which will take them further away from an opportunity to repent. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in contrast to God judging sin with a hurricane or a natural disaster, an mm-hmm. earthquake or a, a famine or a flood or those things. God punishes sin with more sin. And mm-hmm. that's uh, the First John 3 and Romans 1, 18 and following are two sides of the same coin. That's what they're discussing. Now, what where the gospel enters into that is that the moment the Holy Spirit, again, repentance isn't something we muster up in ourselves. Mm-hmm. The moment the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, one of the three major works of the Holy Spirit from John 14 or 15, mm-hmm. you know, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, convicts us of righteousness, and convicts us of judgment. That's mm-hmm. the threefold work of the Holy Spirit. The moment the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin the gospel needs to be preached. Mm. And which is why we have in the Lutheran church law and gospel. You yeah. preach the law and all yeah. its sternness and the gospel is all its sweetness and they come hand in hand. Yeah, right. They're both happening almost simultaneously. You know, and that work shouldn't be manipulated as we talked about in our last episode, that that is the work of the Holy Spirit and we are to properly preach law and gospel and administer the sacraments and allow the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to do his work. And I think that, um, we want to manipulate that. We want to get our hands on that. And mm-hmm. I think that's why you get antinomianism and this radical idea of mm-hmm. cheap grace. And then you get the other side where you get extreme moralism, yeah, where it's right. all about what you do. Sure. Do you guys want to interact with uh, a quote from Bonhoeffer on cheap grace? Yeah, <laughs> I love Bonhoeffer. I pulled up my notes from when I read the book 
the cost of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this is his definition. He says, cheap grace is a preaching of forgiveness without requi- requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. That's an interesting quote. As a big picture, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) As a formula, we have to be careful with that. You know, um, there are times when you preach the law and you preach and you say the words repent. There are other times when you preach the law and the law just does its work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one of the we were taught in seminary uh, preaching during funerals mm-hmm. is that one thing we're aware of is that the dead body yeah. is the preaching of the law. Yep. Yeah. The mourning, uh, the 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 sadness uh, is the effect of the law. Is the effect already. of the yeah. law, and and so it's right still to point out. Well, this is a product of sin, but you want to get to the gospel, yeah. uh, and and so we don't want to make it formulaic. But I think Bonhoeffer's mm-hmm. spot on. We have on the one hand, we have the example of Christ uh, in, in in moral purity and in uh, excellence and loving neighbor, mm-hmm. but we also have the sacrifice of Christ in forgiving us our sins. In the yeah. church, we have the instruction in the law, and as you said, church mm-hmm. discipline, which is simply preaching of the law at its core, uh, but we also have the sacraments, which is application of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so you have both. Now, as a formula, it breaks down as a big picture. I absolutely mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of reminded me of uh, Romans chapter 10, where some people see verses 8 through 13 as a formula you know, for salvation, but it's not. He's just, it's a repetition. And I, I believe that kind of what was Bonhoeffer was trying to get at is he's restating really the same reality in multiple different mm-hmm. ways so that you understand the gravity of it and the importance of it. The the dualism or the dialectic in the church, where yep. it's both end all the time. And, and the reason why we want to highlight this here is not to pick on people who are getting it wrong, which, Mm -hmm. you know, false teaching must be condemned. And and in fact, you know, 1 Timothy 1 says that pointing out false teaching and condemning it is doing the loving thing. But the reason why we condemn it is because the picture of the gospel is so much sweeter. Mm -hmm. And so you take the aw shucks gospel, your sins don't matter. Well, the real message, the comforting message of the gospel is that your sins have been dealt with, Mm -hmm. is they no longer exist. And so where the aw shucks gospel would kind of give us this picture of our sins being ignored, like Mm -hmm. swept under the rug, but now there's this big lump where there's a dust pile under the rug and there's always that threat of them coming back when it's convenient for God to nail us down, the, the actual gospel is not that your sins are being ignored, but that their sins have been forgotten because they no longer exist. Mm-hmm. They've been forgiven. So I would like you two guys, both of you guys, to address this. So as we talk about this subject and we talk about that type of repentance and that type of remorse, what about, say, someone struggling with an addiction? Mm-hmm. Or somebody struggling with a particular aspect of their personality, whether it be an addiction to pornography, whether mm-hmm. it be anger. So when when that person stumbles and falls, is that what what you're talking about? Where it's cheap grace, where they didn't really change, they didn't really repent, or how do we apply that reality to those situations? Because I think that's where most people struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so messy. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Yep. Sin is such a destructive thing. I think first we would do well to note the difference between an addiction and a habit, a bad habit. I think those are two different things. Mm -hmm. I believe, and I'm not a counselor, I'm (laughs) not a clinician on any Mm -hmm. level, 
But I am more and more I read, the more and more I believe that there is something physiological disease level going on with addiction. And, and so it, for many people, it's going to be more than simply a matter of repentance and trying hard to break the habit. Mm-hmm. There, you, you, medication, you know, clinical treatment are going to be necessary. Uh, when a bad habit comes, there's still going to be uh, effort needed to break that habit. The first thing we go to as far as applying gospel in those cases is to communicate to the person who is repentant and struggling with the addiction that Absence of sin does not equate with freedom of sin mm. or freedom from sin, and so that if you know if it's a it's a sexual pornographic addiction or if it's, I mean, we want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe someone trying to quit smoking. Uh, it's that your salvation isn't based on you not taking a fifteen minute cigarette break. That's not what it looks like. Is we sin in many areas mm. repeatedly, uh, and you know the the quantity of our sin is repetitious, but mm-hmm. the, the 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 quality of it also is repetitious by nature. It's that mm-hmm. we're just going to be sinning. Now that doesn't excuse the sin. This isn't aw shucks again, but it also provides opportunity to proclaim and apply the gospel. And then from there in the freedom of Christ, let's work on some behavioral changes that will help you to resist the temptation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of the temptation we suffer from now is a matter of opportunity and boredom. Mm. Is when, you know, idle hands are the devil's tools and idle minds are the devil's fools kind of a thing. And and when I'm working with people in counseling situations, pastoral counseling situations, it's let's think ahead. Is there a time uh, when you're going to be, you know, you're going to be particularly susceptible to whatever temptation, sexual temptation, you know, alcohol temptation, cigarette, whatever the bad habit is. Mm-hmm. So it's not... Uh, pin it down too specifically. If you can identify it, change it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be alone and going to be tempted, uh, go to a place where you won't be alone. Kind of like what Paul says: make no provision. Yep, for exactly. The flesh. Yep. And, and 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 that's just wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you know applying wisdom. The gospel is there to forgive that sin so it doesn't imprison you and destroy your faith. Mm. And repentance, we would remember too in this discussion, is contrition and faith. It's sorrow, brokenness over the sin, and a trust that you have a gracious God that's going to forgive you. It's a really delicate balance, isn't it? It really is. And I think that we would do well to really pay attention to that as pastors and and as Christian leaders, because if you start to lean one side or the other, you know, both sides— end up in, in a bad way, whether it's bondage, you know, again, or again, that cheap grace of what you're talking about. I would be interested, yeah. Brett, to see what you have to say. <laughs> Counseling uh, is kind of your wheelhouse yeah, right. in, in, uh, yeah. you know, where you go with that. Right. And I guess my initial response to that is it's a hard question to answer generically because as, as a pastor, as a, a fellow believer coming alongside of another believer struggling with addictions of some kind, there's more nuance than just saying it's one thing or the other. And so for somebody, there might be somebody out there that's struggling with an addiction where they are living under a concept of cheap grace, where they're taking advantage of God's grace and not repenting. Or, it, it, But then there might be another person struggling with the same addiction that is is not wrestling with that cheap grace idea. So it's it takes a little bit of pastoral care of moving mm-hmm. towards knowing what 
is happening in their heart that is going on, uh, knowing what's happening in their body that's going on. And, and that just takes time as you move towards them. And, and, but the one thing I will say in applying the gospel to that is that uh, I, one of the counseling books I've looked at, or, or I haven't read, I've read part of it, but uh, the title is Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. Mm-hmm. And hmm. and so often we just revel and and enjoy the the mire of addictions, but the gospel shines the bright light of Christ into that, and not only forgives and cleanses, but also empowers and also um, presents a a grander view of life that lifts us from our struggles to Christ. And so I think that's helpful for people, no matter what, where they are in the spectrum of different issues related to that. What I really appreciate about what you said is that it is really application of law and gospel on mm-hmm. a case-by-case basis. Yeah. There isn't yeah. a generic or formulaic answer for these things. It is really mm-hmm. uh, an application, and it takes time. Yep. And it's that loving your neighbor as yourself and taking time mm-hmm. with those people. Yep. That Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2, bearing one another's burdens. burdens. Yeah, yep. and loving uh, your neighbor as yourself. And that's really where the effect of the the not cheap grace comes in. The opposite of the cheap grace, the opposite of the ah shucks gospel is a gospel that, I love the word that you said, mm-hmm. empowers us mm-hmm. to live in our vocations. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, there, ooh, it is. Ooh, there it is. <laughs> All right. But I, I preach incessantly and probably ad nauseum to my congregation. <laughs> the Christian life always is two parts. <clears throat> Assurance of salvation and vocation. And you can't have one without the other. Mm. The the assurance of salvation that you get from the church through the various ministries of preaching, application of the sacraments, uh, the music ministry of the church is delivering assurance of salvation. Uh, <laughs> or should be anyway. <laughs> Good hymns, yes. Uh, uh, all the aspects of what you receive on Sunday and on Wednesday, you're there to get forgiveness of your sins, to get assurance of salvation so that you go out and you live for your neighbor. Mm. Is that uh, the, What the gospel does is it reorients you not to a place of competition with your neighbor to Impress God, but it orients you toward your neighbor because vertically speaking, in Jesus Christ, everything's been taken care of for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that even if you suffer, and, and we don't want to trivialize suffer, we don't want to minimize it, but even if you suffer, it's this confidence in the gospel that you know that God will bring you through it to eternity. Mm-hmm. And so that if you suffer death, um, starvation, you know, all these things that we wouldn't absolutely want to make light of, but should you lack anything that God has promised to provide for you, what God is going to do is he's going to usher you into eternity. And so the Christian in their vocations lives life with eternity at the forefront. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about the Ashuk's gospel, you know, a little bit. I wonder if we shouldn't spend some time on the other side of that, uh, the moralistic aspect mm-hmm. of the gospel yeah. and, and the dangers of that. Well, and moralism uh, isn't gospel at all. Yeah. That's law. Right. But many would, would disagree with you. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's, again, it's a cheapening of both law and gospel. Mm-hmm. And the, the people who are moralistic... Uh, who are legalistic, have lied to themselves and bought into the deception that they have a higher view of the law. And, in fact, they have a lower view. They have the a law. lower view of the law, and also they're deluding and negating the gospel simultaneously. And so they turn the law into something we can achieve, 
uh, where it's meant to be a guide. Now, the law has requirements. The law makes demands. The law uh, lays out examples for us. Uh, but ultimately, and in the end, it's unachievable. It's unattainable, yeah. which is why we need the gospel to forgive us of our failure to do the things God requires of us. And demanding of the Christian that we go back and mm-hmm. measure our life before God by performance, we've negated the purpose of Jesus Christ on the one hand, and we've diluted the holy character of God on the other hand. So what mm-hmm. you're saying is on either side, whether it's cheap grace or moralism, pride is involved yep. in both of those. The idolatry of self. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly mm-hmm. what it ends up being, where in reality, the Christian life is a death of self. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. And that life then is lived selflessly toward neighbor, which is why we are constantly highlighting that one of the purposes of the law is to protect our neighbor from our sinful selves so that we're applying the law to ourselves first mm-hmm. uh, instead of saying, you did this to me because if I... I find that I've fallen short of God's standards. The appropriate response, according to Scripture, is repentance. Mm -hmm. And as I repent, I will be forgiven. That's the gospel. And then my sin is actually dealt with. It's Mm -hmm. eliminated. It's nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, like Colossians says. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And that's such good news for us, no matter what stage of life we're in currently. And it's good news for us today. It's good news for us tomorrow and, and every day. The gospel never gets old. And if Mm -hmm. it seems mundane, if it seems common, if it seems rote, then you're not hearing the gospel because Mm -hmm. all of the beautiful images in scripture that the gospel is painted with uh, just lend shades of color to what God has done for us in Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And we should be grateful. We should be humbled absolutely by the gospel, but we should be just rejoicing in it. It should Mm -hmm. be a celebratory thing for us that we are forgiven, not because of what we have done, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and and not to, we are not forgiven to do something for God. We're forgiven mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I've I've said several times in my preaching where if the gospel doesn't make your heart sore, if there isn't this wonderful mm-hmm. freedom and assurance that is uh, birthed and fostered and nurtured through the preaching of the gospel, I always ask my congregation, you need to answer the question, why? Mm-hmm. Why is that not happening? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a that's a good question yeah. to ask. Yep. yep. Yeah, well, I think we've probably got to a good stopping point here. I agree. Brian, as always, do you have a verse? I do, and I know we've read this before, but you know what? As you said, never get tired of hearing the gospel. And so in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you Hmm. that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself continue our discussion on the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you and have a great week.